Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ that we're able to partake in your word, Lord, and you've kept us through all trials and tribulation, Lord, because these are the times that try men's souls. And I'm asking, Lord, that you give us your joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I'm asking also that with this subject, that it reach the ears, Lord, and the eyes of those who are able to see and hear, that they absorb this word, Lord, and they accept it, and that they do all that you call them to do. Lord, for this is no time to offend you. This is no time to be ignorant. You said, Lord, that you winked at our ignorance for a season, but then now you have called all men unto repentance. So I'm asking, Lord, that you give us your grace and your mercy, Lord. And I'm asking that the people that hear this not feel attacked, Lord, but understand that your way is the only way. And these things that are done are just not right. And they are not right in your eyes. So, Lord, with your will and with your power and with your understanding and your wisdom, let us not utter words that won't come from you. Let them get to those, Lord, who really need to hear of your word. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, jealousy, malice, hatred, Lord, every spirit of distraction, every spirit of rejection, unbelief, every Jezebel spirit, every homosexual spirit, Lord, I'm asking that they be bound, and I'm asking that your people hear, Lord, and I'm asking that you help us to bring in the harvest, Lord, not by our will, but by your will, but Lord, in order to do this mission impossible, we need power, we need your authority, we need to be in your ways, we need Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy to be praised. Lord, I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, tonight's study is going to be called um, Abortion, a Blood Sacrifice to Satan. Now, I know that this is going to be a really touchy subject. I know that it's going to have a lot, you know, people are going to feel different ways about it. But what we're going to recognize is that abortion is nothing new. This is not something invented by man. The same spirits that held sway over abortion back then are going to be in charge today. It's the same thing being played over. Magicians don't change their tactics. All they do is find new audiences to appear before. And as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has been... I mean, the thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there's no new thing under the sun. So we know that the same things that were playing on back then are going to play out today, and I mean, this abortion itself has been giving the devil all the power he needs over this, over this society, and people have to understand what it is for bloodletting, what it is to actually decide to abort your children. What it is to have so much wrong and murder and killing in the world, and we think that God is not going to avenge this. He's going to have a lot to do with it. But for the meantime, you know, the dark forces of the world are being strengthened by this action because people are doing it in their ignorance. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it's just, we're going to get going. So um, I'm going to start in Psalm 139. After that, uh, Carlin and Sarah will present. But I want to go there first, and then we'll go right into the lesson. And, you know, much of why abortion gets committed today is, you know, people have their circumstances. They may have fears. They may have all these things that will come upon them. But what people need to understand is that this world has been telling man that he's nothing. He's just an involved creature. You know, he's just no big deal. But when the Bible says, who is man that thou, that God... God is mindful of him. You know, it tells you that we really are a creation that he loves. You know, we are made in the image of God. And, and God, his thoughts towards us are immeasurable. Right. You know, but if you got society telling you that this is all no big deal, then it's kind of like survival of the fittest kicks in with people. Mm -hmm. This is how they live their lives. Might is right. I can do what I want. I have nobody to answer to. But as we know as believers in Christ, that that is not the case. Right. Psalm 139 and verse 1, and it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou hast my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandeth my thought afar off. Now imagine us having complex thoughts and feelings, and we may think that whatever it is we're dealing with, that we're all in it by ourselves. No one has ever dealt with this. God understands it. And that's something that we need to know so we can take it all to him and lay it at the foot of the cross. That's Verse right. 3. Thou compasseth my path and my laying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Can you imagine? I mean, the Lord knows everything about you, even while you have the swirl on your head where your hair is. Verse 4. For there is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. So everything you've ever said, whether it was godly or ungodly, God knew that you were going to say. He's, he knows the beginning from the end. Right. So it's no wonder he has mercy on us, you know, because he knows who's who mm -hmm. and what we're going to do. Verse 5, thou hast been me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Now, this is David here being humble before the Lord because he's saying such knowledge is too wonderful. Like what he's pretty much saying is we don't even recognize because of this society and the way it is that we are holding a treasure in our hands. This comes from heaven. This is the knowledge of God. If you know this, you are well above those who think worldly and earthly. Okay, so this is a treasure to be mine, to be held. That the Lord shares this with us. Right. So he's saying, this is David being humble, like such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Because think about how many times we read something out of here and didn't do it. So it's like, why should God waste his time with you? Right. But the point is, as this is a treasure. This is David's humility. Verse 7, whither, thou shalt, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, even there shall uh, thy hand lead me, 
and thy right hand shall hold me. So what David is understanding here is that you can't hide from God. You know, he owns it all. He controls it all. We might as well yield to his will. will. Verse 11, if I say surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Understand that even though the darkness may cover you, that if you got God, the light is always shining no matter where you are. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. So the Lord has known you even before you were born. Verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth um, right well. My substance was not hid from thee uh, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which is continuance, which in continuance were fashioned, um, when as yet uh, there was none of them. So the point he's trying to make here too is, we were absolutely nothing to the Lord. I mean, when you were smut, like when these people sit here and talk about a fetus or an embryo is absolutely nothing. It's not even alive. He's saying before my substance was formed, that God knew me. Mm -hmm. Okay, everything about us, the way we look, the way our teeth are, hair, everything. God formed you in the belly before he knew you. Mm -hmm. So for these people to sit here and talk about abortion is no big deal, or it's a woman's right to choose, no, you're wrong because you're interfering in the plan of God and all his creation. He said to replenish, multiply, and, and well, multiply and replenish the earth, be fruitful. So, you know, this Bible even speaks against IUDs. This Bible speaks against condoms. This Bible speaks against birth control because the, the plan is not to try and stop life. The plan is to bring it, of course, in a lawfully, godfully, what godly way. Right. But even if that didn't happen and you did slip up, you have no right to murder a child. No. And I'm not speaking down on anybody. You guys know my story. Mm -hmm. That's happened to me in my life. That's something I'm not proud of. But the Lord had redeemed me. But I first had to recognize that what I committed was murder. Mm -hmm. It was a sin. Okay, and that's how you get the spirit of murder off of you in your life, because, you know, as long as you make excuses for it, then, you know, you're okay with murdering your child. And we got to understand what these people are saying. These abortionists, these women's right to choose people. Murder is okay. So they may as well go down to the prisons and unlock every door for every murderer that committed a crime. Yeah. Because from what we're reading right here in God's eyes, it's all the same. Yep. I don't care how small the fetus is, but it says being unperfect, the substance in your book and all your members. If you look at DNA, scientists will tell you this, it's like information copied. It's like you actually have a book where your information's been written. Mm -hmm. So our design is made up out of what God wanted or from your parents, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy. Right. All right. Verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, uh, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So God's thoughts towards you, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. You'll never shock God with the things that you do in this world. 
Why? Because he knows it all. Mm -hmm. All he wants us to do is repent, get it right with him, and be accepted by him. Right. Verse 19, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. O God, depart from me, therefore ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. I am not... I am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. In order to walk with the Lord, you got to hate sin. Mm -hmm. These people hate God. Then David is saying, well, they may as well be my enemy too, Lord, because mm -hmm. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. See, along with the Father and the Son being one, we have to be one with Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the only way we're going to see it his way. When you got people talking bad about your God, that should be offensive to you. That should be enough to say, hey, well, wait a minute now. Yeah. You know, what you said, I don't appreciate. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. No, you're right. Jesus said, you'll be ashamed of me. I'll be ashamed of you. That's right. Uh, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we got to be searched out. And this is all we're doing tonight. We're exposing something that is satanic that the world calls lawful. And I would encourage anybody who's listening to this, please don't, you know, turn it off. Hear what needs to be said. Understand it's not entirely your fault, but you've been programmed to believe something that's not true. All right. So allow yourself to listen to this. Understand what needs to be understood. And all things can be wiped away in Jesus Christ. But you've got to understand first that this is wrong. And we're going to show you so many ways in where it's wrong. Exactly. So from here, before we get going, um, Sarah and Carlin are going to present. And we'll get right into the lesson. Go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12, verse 22. We got the thing right there, too. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hebrews 12 and 22. <laughs> I'll just stop reading. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable, innumerable company of angels. <laughs> to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect now if you look at 23 when it says which are written in heaven the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven or yeah yeah remember uh in Luke was it Luke 10 when the 70 disciples came back and they said to Jesus, like, man, even the demons, you know. Luke 10 and 18. Right, even yeah. the demons are, are, you know, flee when we cast them out. They and submit to they us. Submit us. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus stopped and he said, rejoice more over that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life than over that. He's mm -hmm. like, don't take pride in what you're doing because it's not about that. So it is a, it is a, a, a witness that our names are written in heaven. So the church of the firstborn... Your name's being written in heaven. You know, that's the the church of God. 
that's you know those that claim to be followers of him that we're doing everything that we can to follow him and as we keep reading it says and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the just of just men made perfect so you know you had the disciples and everything that we do we can be made perfect in Jesus Christ is that completion so when we're doing our walk with the Lord, every day we should have uh, a renewal with Him. We should want to continue to grow in Christ every day. It's not just something, you know, uh, uh, you know, like for for me, it's not just something I, I, I do here or I do at home. It's it's for me. It's in every encounter, you know. It's it, when I'm at work, you know, finding time to pray with the Lord and make sure I spend time with Him even at work, and not get distracted with you know conversation that's going on, but. It's like, hey, Lord, you know, why do you want me here? You know, who, what's the purpose behind it? So, verse 24, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of, sprinkle, of sprinkling, that speaketh better th things than that of Abel. So, as we know, Jesus Christ came down, he died for our sins, and he became the mediator between us and God the Father. You know, if we're, if we're his, you know, he may go to, to God the Father and say, you know, I, I know he, he's coming along. You know, he's, he's, he's okay in my eyes because he's coming along. I know what he's doing. He's getting it right. And we don't know what that intercession can do for us if we continue to go on. And remember, Abel, you know, we know what happened to Abel. He was killed by Cain. But Abel was a, a type of, you know, he was a, a type of Christ back then because he was a shepherd. He took care of the sheep. Now, Jesus Christ, when he came down to the earth, was that was the shepherd, is the shepherd, you know, that's wanting us to, you know, come to him in everything that we do. Verse 25. See that ye not, uh, see that ye, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we, shall not we escape, if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. So this is Christ talking about when he's going to come back. So it's not only going to shake the earth, but it's going to shake heaven as well when he comes back the second time. As we know, when he came and died on the cross, what happened? That veil rent. There was a you know an earthquake, and he shook the earth when he died. And went to, you know went down and got the keys from hell and he ascended back up but he shook the earth and he's going to do it one more time when he comes back but there's something that's going to happen before that in verse 27 and this your in this word yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as of those things that are made and those things which cannot be shaken may remain so we can also look at this in um in a spiritual sense as well, like you bring the gospel to somebody and if they're not willing to receive it in the gospel, the truth in Jesus Christ in the gospel really does shake things up in somebody's life. You know, I, when I first heard it, you know, it, I mean, I believed it, but it just seemed like, wow, I'd never heard that before. But some people are going to be a little on the shaky side because what happens, it disrupts their reality. So the gospel, the truth in the gospel is going to remain. And those things that are not true are going to be shaken away like false doctrines, false teachings, false anything. Before Christ comes back, all that's going to be shaken away. Verse 28. 
Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, I believe that that godly fear is not just respect, but it is literal fear that we have a God that we answer to if we know better and we've learned and we know the, the truth in the gospel we shouldn't, you know, it, yeah, we want to have the respect for him, but to know that, hey, it's just like the story he told on Sunday about where I found the 20 bucks over at, uh, what was it, Office Depot, and, uh, you know, I was just like, it wasn't mine, what do I do with it, and the, the lady called, and I was like, here you go, because it's like, and he said, we got a God we, we fear, but it's true, it's like, you know, it's doing the right thing, but it's also knowing, because we know what the right thing is, what's going to happen to us if we don't do the right thing and it's just you know we're held accountable for what we know verse 29 for our god is a consuming fire and that is that is so true you know in the old testament what happened elijah called down fire from heaven and he you know he killed off the false prophets of baal and god allowed that because it was righteous you know they were trying to come against what what was right what God had done. So yes, he is a consuming fire, and that's something that we need to be mindful of, is that's why our sin needs to go mm-hmm. out of our life so he can work with us. So that's what I have for the God's fire will burn away the sin within you if you let him. Right. Let him in. You guys turn to Genesis. Um, well, we'll just do Genesis 20 and 9. I'll just have you guys start there. And while you're getting there, I'm just going to open up with a little bit of the background. So, this is when um, um, Abraham goes and meets with um, his name's Amibelech. Abimelech. Abimelech. So, um, He's basically a king, and he took um, Abraham's wife away. And during that, um, God reached out to him in a dream and basically um, warned him against um, sinning against Abraham's wife because Abraham had actually told um, the king that um, that was his sister. So um, I'll have you guys start at um, 20 and 9. So then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they shall slay me for my wife's sake. So just like what Sarah was saying, the fear of God. And that pretty much led Abraham to kind of deceive the king, you know. Even though it was in good intentions, like, it's almost like Abraham didn't use God as his, like, uh, shield. And that's what you're supposed to always carry around. But it's understandable. And... I guess he didn't technically lie because, I mean, they're like half brother and sister, 
Well, yeah, he also feared they were going to kill him mm-hmm. for his wife. So, yeah, I mean, that's something where he thought it was a tactic. But see, again, like, you, that was man's tactic, mm-hmm. you know? If yeah. he would have just gone according to what the Lord said, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I love that. The yeah. man, man's tactic and not truly trusting, but... Right. God's way versus carnal mind way, the mm-hmm. earth's way. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. And now I'm going to start. I'm going to have you guys flip all the way to Ephesians. And it'll be 4.15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself and love. So, pretty recently, I had ran into, I mean, I go down to the beach pretty much every day, kind of by my house, and I take my dog there, and she kind of just does her own thing, and I just use it to, like, pray, because, I mean, it's pretty vacant, and I truly feel connected with God. There's, like, the water, there's trees, there's all kinds of wildlife, and so when I was praying, I was pretty much praying for, like, some kind of fellowship and just opportunity for me in my day to present myself and, like, share God's word and light. (laughs) So I was, like, walking down the beach, and all of a sudden, all I heard was, it's coming. And like, I was like, what in the world? You know, I was like, what? Like, I was like praying. I was like, ah, what, what, what? And it was just like silence. And I was just looking around. And then all of a sudden I heard it's here. And I like looked to my side and there was somebody just standing right there um, with the dog and everything. And I felt like a heaviness, you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm just gonna just give you guys that a little bit and then I'm gonna keep going and then I'll finish that story. So I'm gonna have you guys jump down to 432. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Also Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, jump down to 5.8. So it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light. In the Lord walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, providing what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for what for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So I was sitting there, and when the figure appeared, I turned and looked at him, and instantly I was just defensive the whole time. Like I, I was just making sure to try to protect myself against an attack. I guess, and in that, I was still trying to be open and, like, just, like, wait for a window to, like, shoot in, like, something about Jesus or, you know, anything like that. 
So eventually it just got to this point and then it's almost like something just held me still and all I heard was um, edify uh, through charity. So then I just re completely relaxed myself and then it's almost like everything, just like the heaviness was just lifted and I just was able to talk to this guy and just um, really, it just seemed like he was carrying like a heavy load and then still in the time I was just talking to him and just trying to see what I could get and then eventually he revealed to me that he's been through like a couple divorces because I, I asked him about Christmas just to like try to like peel away whatever tension it was. So um, and in that it kind of just seemed like things were lifted and he was just able to be like free with me and just like talk and like we just mm -hmm. talked about good things and like Christmas like coming up or whatever and not necessarily Christmas but like I just know, right. you're making conversations there you know, go like yeah, yeah. spending time with family yeah. and um, things like that connecting with them getting to know them exactly exactly and then I feel like the Lord brought it to me so I could pray for him whatever is going on because he said a couple divorces mm -hmm. and um, so it just gave me that space to just like be a loving light and it just seemed like him and his dog just left in such better spirits than when they were there you know <laughs> so on that and then I'm just going to close out with uh, 610 you guys turn to that Sorry. Um, yeah, it is 610. I'm sorry about that. Um, so finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked just like with our example with Abraham if he would have just believed then obviously the enemy can't touch you and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit and watching there unto with the perseverance and supplication for all saints. But that's what I have today. Cool. Um, these are good points because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that um, only the Lord can take us through. And I mean, if this isn't the evil day, <laughs> then I'd love to see it come because we're definitely in it and times are only going to get worse but um, let's go to uh, Leviticus 18 let's start there because there are many ways um, abortion went in those days okay some might not have considered it abortion but the enemy had many ways of trying to destroy the children of Israel one was through idol worship 
and the other, well, you can say pretty much a religion, and the other was through depopulation, which is, we're going to see as we continue in this study, is the main reason for abortion, and, you know, the Jezebel spirit itself pushes women up to believe that they are, you know, independent of men. See, they, this spirit speaks to women in many cases that hate men. Okay, and once it starts there, you give the enemy a foothold, not because of the, the man themselves, but they tell the woman, well, we just want to provide for the women and their right to choose. Because women need to know when they are, you know, I mean, it's like they take God out of the equation. They even take the man out. Now, how did the seed get in there without the man? But their whole mindset is, you know, the independence of women. We got to fight for rights. So murder. Murdering the poor innocent has a lot to do with a, a person's rights. I mean, that sounds like giving rights unto a beast because you're not talking about a human if this is the type of heart you have towards wanting to be somebody. Right. All right, Leviticus. Um, I'm so busy talking and thinking, man. Um, 18, and I guess we'll start at verse... Uh, Let's see. Well, let's start at verse 21. Leviticus 18 and 21, and it says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. So we understand. we got to know who Moloch is. I know we went over this before. But Moloch was a statue that was in the Valley of Hinnom, which is where you can just say the um, temple was... Um, you know, where Solomon's temple or at that time was in an area that was like, um, well, you know where it is. Well, towards the south wall or going down south in this valley, that was called this Valley of Hinnom, which meant like a valley of um, hell or torture, you know, or fire. And then um, there's another word, Topheth, that goes with it, which we're going to discuss in a little while. But that means um, a lamentation. So there was a type of weeping and mourning, even though this sacrifice was going on. But what people would do is they would take their newborns down because they weren't worshiping the God of the Bible anymore. They were worshiping the gods of Baal, you know, and these other, um, the Phoenicians and the um, Ammonites, you know, which is where Lot's family came from, you know, with his two daughters. They were actually worshiping these gods. And what they would do is they'd have this statue you know, there are many depictions of what Moloch looks like. Some called him a horned being, like, like a, a goat head or a bull's head with his hands out. And then there's other pictures of like an owl man with his hands out. But either way, this statue would have his hands out all day. And I mean, there'd be fire burning under it, you know, and the hands would glow white hot. And people would take their children up because they believed by giving this sacrifice that they would have gained from this god Moloch. The same way in abortions today that people will say, I'm not ready, I can't afford a kid. So what do you do? You go down to your local abortion clinic and instead of burning their hands of, on the white, you know, burning the child on the white hot hands of Moloch, what you do now is, you know, pour saline solution in the womb and burn out the baby. Okay, so there's nothing changed about this whole thing. This is exactly what goes on. And They'll try and convince you that a, a fetus or an embryo doesn't feel pain. But oh yeah, it does, because think about it. He said, you know, from before your members were formed, your substance was made, that God knew us. 
So there was a soul placed into that baby is what began life. The same way he did with Adam and Eve. In the spirit, you know, the Lord's spirit. Exactly. So this is one part of sacrifice that is done. You know, um, of course, it's the going to the clinic. It's the love for self. You know, in these days, it was a type of worship because they were worshiping false gods. Okay, so from here, let's go to Exodus 1. Here's the other account. Because you guys got to remember, in um, China and other areas, what do they tell people? Well, you know, because of the population, you can't have more than one child. At one point, it was two back in the 80s. Now I think you can only have one child because of overpopulation. You know, and, and as we get through this, uh, let me just read and we'll get, um, I don't want to give it all away now. All right, Exodus 1 and verse 1. Everybody there? All right, and it says, Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into um, Egypt. Every man in his household came from came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation... And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now remember, they came to Egypt to because um, the Lord told them that there would be seven years of famine and seven years of feast, you know, or of abundance. So um, they came here in order to be able to survive this drought, this famine that God told them was going to take place. Now, Joseph was beaten up and taken by his brethren, remember? I mean, well, he was sold into slavery. So the Lord's plan was perfect. Even though his brothers meant to do him evil, the Lord meant for it to be good because Joseph became the second in command behind Pharaoh. He started out in prison, but the Lord had favor with him. He became the second in command. And then um, Joseph's brothers, you know, and, and Jacob, they all came to Israel not even knowing that Joseph was there and still alive. So Joseph was able to take care of his family because they had the resources in Egypt. All right, so, um, but look at verse 7. The children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied. So they were keeping the commandment that God gave Adam and Eve. And look at what came from that. And waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. So they became a mighty people. They, they, were, they were fruitful. They multiplied. Only 70 people went into Egypt. And by the time they were delivered by Moses, they were about 4 million, if, if not, if maybe more, in that 400-year period. All right, so I just want to um, put a little emphasis on that, verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. So what they began to understand is these people were here just to get it together. But what we're recognizing is, man, there's more of them here and they're becoming mighty. So, you know, wait, we got to do something about this, even though they're abundant and they're happy. All right. So he says in verse 10, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass. That when, that when there falleth out any war, 
they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. You got to understand this because even though this might have been in those days where you had the Egyptian pharaohs, they said, let's deal with them wisely. They did not say, everybody grab your weapons. We're going to go to war with the children of Israel and we're just going to slay them. They knew that that would be impossible because there were so many of them. So being the elite people that these pharaohs were, that believed that they were the children of gods, they said, okay, we got to deal wisely with this people because we just can't fight them this way. So what did they do? We're going to read. All right. Um, and they feared that they may turn against them. That was the only reason. It didn't have anything to do with them. The children of Israel were good people. So they feared that one day, because there's so many, they may just take power. And they're not the only people in this world with that fear. Verse 11. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. Um, but, the, but the more they were, they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. You know, there were people in this world that tried to just destroy people. Um, when you look at maybe in, um, I mean, even if you want to count the 1600s when they had the Black Death, the bubonic plague that went on in Europe, they killed millions of people. Now, some people said that was orchestrated. It didn't have anything to do with rats running around. There was more to it than that. Okay, when you think of World War One, World War Two, that's not enough to kill enough people. You think of slavery in America, that's not enough to kill people. So, you know, the influenza period in 1918, this vaccine, the people that were getting vaccinated were the people that were catching it and dying. Okay, so that was their plan, you know, to, hey, we got to depopulate. So you look through all the things that they had. They pushed in drugs heavy in the 40s and 50s, and that wasn't enough. It just seemed like the people just kept on growing. So what happened? Here comes a woman's right to choose, and you're going to find abortion. Oh, man, let's, let's just keep going for now. All right, so no matter what they did, they grew and they prospered. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Okay, and then it says, And they uh, made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which uh, the name of the one, the one was uh, Shiphra. I guess that's it, Shifra, uh, in the name of the other, Pua. I forgot the names of the meaning of these names, but they did hold weight to what we're dealing with. I'll probably try and find it somewhere towards the end of the study, but this hold, it, it holds some weight. Verse 16, and he said, when ye do the office of the midwife to the um, Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it should be a daughter, then, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, um, children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men, children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, 
for they are lively and are delivered uh, ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt with um, the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses and Pharaoh charged all his people saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river and every daughter ye shall save alive. So we got to understand what's going on here because somebody followed this blueprint. This is why they'll tell you so many women because of HPV or all these other diseases, they have, um, um, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're telling them that they have ovarian cancer mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. You need a hysterectomy. Okay, this needs to be done. Now, these are doctors telling you this stuff. Now, if we took this into modern times, you can say that Pharaoh would be whoever's controlling the world now. He talked to the midwives, which would be your local doctors or people that do these things. Hey, you need to have, a, you know, an abortion because your child may come out like this. Matter of fact, why don't we just get a hysterectomy? Because, you know, this cancer may kill you. And I know doctors have lied to people because I know many people that have been told this. They trusted God. They moved forward. And they had healthy twins. You know, they had their children perfectly fine. But if they're using the midwives to deal with the people treacherously, then don't think that all this stuff that's going on today is by accident. Mm -hmm. And this is why you got to trust in God more than sit there and believe in doctors because someone followed this blueprint. If you don't believe me, look at the Washington Monument. That's a um, phallic symbol, which is an obelisk that goes back to Egypt. So they have adopted even the laws of people that were way before them. So this is a blueprint, and I believe why many of the people of this world want to destroy people is because they're afraid of the overpopulation. Now you got Bill Gates on TV talking about depopulate. This is why they'll tell you that we're going into a famine. Oh, there's not enough food. You see, we have to depopulate, or there won't be enough people and enough resources to go around. When the truth is, there's plenty of food and water. They, these people are lying, but it's all too depopulate so that they can find a mass of people that they can control. Yep. Yeah, Martin. I got the names of the uh, oh, yeah. wives. So Shifra, that means fair. Right. And then Pua means uh, splendid. Right. You know, so they were trying to use them as a form of um, deception. Because remember, Goliath was named, you know, his name meant splendor, mm -hmm. which means like kind of like a type of world. You know, kind of like um, pleasing to the senses, you know. So it was kind of like, you're going to even see that Margaret Sanger did this as we continue. She went to a lot of black pastors in the communities and had them come forward and speak about how a woman's right is to do what she did. So they infiltrated the church just to get the black people, the black pastors, to talk to the local community of people that didn't trust their white superiors. I'm only being realistic with this. So this is an old tactic to go to a people to deal with them treacherously. That's why they said deal with them wisely. This is not a black or white thing. Murder is murder. Exactly. But what I'm telling you is that the serpent has never changed his ways. And that the Egyptians were black. You know, most of the people running the world today are white. Mm -hmm. It's no difference. A child of Satan is a child of Satan, mm -hmm. whether you're black or white. All right, so um, 
Let's go to chapter 2, and it says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And a woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, uh, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark um, of of um, bulrushes uh, and dubbed it with slime, like she put it together with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid in it the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done um, to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river. And when she uh, saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when uh, she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. We don't need to go any further. We know that this is Moses. Mm -hmm. Moses was taken in by them. Now, we got to understand. Now, do you think the main purpose for this mass extermination of the Hebrew people was just to get rid of the people alone? Or did you think that there was a man of God that God would use, that the enemy feared, mm -hmm. that I've got to kill him before he even gets started? And we know that this is true because the same thing happened to Jesus Christ. If you go to Matthew 2, he had to flee the place of his birth with Mary and Joseph going into Egypt, ironically, because Herod put out a decree to kill every firstborn male that was in the world. So the devil knew that Christ was coming. He didn't know who he was, but he knew, all right, just to be on the safe side, I'm killing everybody. And then we wonder why there's such a drought in the church. Then we wonder why there's so many people of God that, you know, it just seems like, man, there's not enough believers around. The devil wants to kill every potential Moses, every potential disciple of Christ, but he'll sit there and tell you it's a woman's right to choose when it could be, nothing could be further from the truth. It's really about trying to destroy that which God made. You want to say something? You actually said what I was going to say about when he tried to kill Moses, it was to kill Christ's bloodline from even coming about. He wanted to kill Christ too, but Moses wasn't related to Jesus. But um, the thing is, is that they, you know, he was a child of Israel. Um, Abraham was of that seed. Oh, David okay. was related through Christ. Right. But um, one of the things is, is the devil knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Jeremiah 1. I want to cover all these bases before we start reading into this because I want people to have an understanding as to what's going on. It's not just a Bible thing. This is a real thing. And the Bible is real. But I'm just saying that, you know, if you don't understand the Bible, maybe you'll understand this. Now, you guys ever um, heard of the Georgia Guidestones? Well, Martin's heard of it. Look up the Georgia Guidestones, but it's a 10-step, 10, 10 commandments, pretty much, of the New World Order. Their very first thing they have on there for Rule 1 is to um, bring the population down to um, 500 million. They said, don't let the population go above 500 million. So there's 7.4 billion people in the world. So what is their plan? They want to eliminate 90% of the people in this world just to have... A group of people that they can control. Mm -hmm. 
Jeremiah 1 and verse 1, and it says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest that were in um, Anathoth uh, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. So we got to understand, you know, Jeremiah, before he was formed in the womb, God already knew who he was. So you can't tell me abortion is not murder. All right. The Lord had a purpose for Jeremiah, just like he has a purpose for every aborted child in this world. Okay. God has a plan that he means to do good with. But if the devil can allow you to be self-loving, look at how many children, and I got to count myself in that equation, that we destroyed that could have been of God, that could have been used for something, that could have delayed what was going on, could have turned this whole thing around. But in my selfishness, in my life, this is what I did. Because I was self-loving and I did not know the Lord. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but like you were saying, if, if even with married couples, if they use any kind of birth control or protection, it's still murder. That's right. Regardless, because even though you did not commit the act of abortion, you're still preventing life from coming forward. That's so right. It, it's, still, it's still the same thing because... God is the one that creates life. Yes, he made man and woman, but he, like you're saying, he made us to be fruitful. So he's the one that brings forth life in us. That's right. Leviticus 20, guys. We'll start at verse 1. I just want to knock some of this out. We're going to read a little of this on the origins of this. This abortion thing is nothing new. We have one here, Planned Parenthood. is It's a satanic ritual. Uh, we have this one here says the astonishing origins of America's greatest abortion provider is a dark one indeed. And that's when we'll go into the deceptions because a lot of people don't know that Margaret Sanger herself was a follower of um, Alice Bailey. And Alice Bailey is the one that put that 10-step plan together to attack Christianity. All right, Leviticus 20 and 1, and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. That's how serious God takes this. Verse uh, 3, And I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among the people, or from his people, because he has given to his seed unto Moloch, 
to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do any ways hide their eyes from the man when uh, he giveth of his seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a whoring after him to commit whoredom to Moloch from among their people. So, I mean, you got to think about this, that the Lord is saying that he would cut off anybody that committed this practice. Well, what would happen if you could get 3,000 babies a day sacrificed to Moloch? What do you think that does in the eyes of God? When you can get 100,000 abortions, you know, a week being done in the world, or maybe a little more than that, think about what satanic power has to be here. Look at how defiled the sanctuary really is now. Because you got people in church that are that are so-called believers in Christ committing these same acts, even with an IUD, even with pills, you know, or any form of birth control. You're committing the same act. You're stopping something from happening that could happen. Right. All right, I'm going to read a little of this. Um, and we'll get right into it. This one says... Um, Planned Parenthood Satanic Ritual. This one says, um, in August 22nd, uh, 2015, protesters witnessed Satanic Ritual at Detroit Planned Parenthood. This is Detroit, August 22nd, 2015. As protesters gathered outside of Planned Parenthood uh, in downtown Detroit, a Satanic Milk um, Bathing Ritual took place right across the street. Just at 10 a.m. this morning, a group of Satanists dressed as Catholic priests began unloading a truckload of milk onto the sidewalk of Cass Avenue. As the curious crowd gathered two of the female Satanists, they, um, their hands uh, bound with rope, knelt down on the sidewalk as gallon after gallon of milk was poured onto their heads, while the rest of the group shouted, Hail Satan, along with obscenities. Uh, the ritual lasted nearly 10 minutes. The ritual of milk bathing has ties uh, to many different occult and Eastern mystical traditions. In some occult writings, a relationship and ritual is drawn by using milk as a symbol of a, lact as a lactating mother and the milk bathing as a sign of worship to a mother earth goddess Gaia. Now, we got to remember, because to me, Gaia is none other than do you guys remember I had a, a paper, I think it's right here, but it was about a woman, um, the Lilith character, the owl demon woman that preys on, um, preys on women, and, and remember pregnant women? You guys remember anything like that? Yeah. But I should have had it with me, but I can't find it right now. But yeah, this is a, a spirit where these people are actually going against you know, women with children or, you know, trying to get them to abort. So this is a ritual. All right, then it says, similar to the Christian understanding of water baptism, milk bathing is symbolic of purification for worship. Milk bathing is considered to be lower level occult magic and higher echelons of the satanic ritual worship. Bathing in or sprinkling human or animal blood is commonplace. There are even accounts of these rituals being conducted after hours in Planned Parenthood abortion chambers 
using the blood of aborted babies. Zachary King, a, a former Satanist, reported um, oh, to the um, Lepanto uh, Institute that he conducted nearly 150 abortions of satanic rituals during his time as a high wizard, more than 20 of which took place in Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood abortion chambers. At another Planned Parenthood protest in the um, metro Detroit area, uh, the churchmilitant.com crew uh, was shown um, another side of the occult underworld as Wiccans showed up like witches, showed up with signs advocating for abortion. Planned Parenthood currently receives more than a half billion dollars a year from taxpayer money, but as the videos exposing the sale of baby parts gain more attention, a number of states have cut off funding to the abortion giant, and there are calls on Capitol Hill to do the same on every federal level. So we understand here this is not just about a woman's right to choose. This is clearly speaking about rituals that are taking place through witchcraft, which you know for a fact have nothing to do with God. Okay, this is not about a woman's right to choose. This is about the will of Satan. Can I say something on that too? Yeah. Um, actually, Obama a few months ago, I was like three months ago, passed a federal law to support Planned Parenthood. Well, yeah, he was for abortion before yeah. he even went into office. You know, but yeah, I can believe it. This is what, you know... Hey, this is what it's all about, and that's why people got to put their faith in God and not trust it in man, because any man, I don't care who he is, be he black or white or whatever color, if you're not of God, you are of Satan, and it's just that simple. But you got people only voting for Obama because he was black, and many of those people are getting what they deserve, because one thing the devil did use, okay, let's just say um, you talk about racism, he used one people that thought they were superior to other people. He used them to be puffed up in pride to cause affliction to a people and to destroy them. But see, the devil doesn't play sides. Then he went to the victim after he done told the one that did it. Hey, man, you see how these people are treating you? Man, you need to stand up. You need to stand up for black rights. You need to stand up for black people. See, so the devil plays both sides to get two sides to fight. It's not a white thing or a black thing. He's pulling strings from both ends to cause chaos. If you really knew what the civil rights struggle was about, I mean, people's minds would be blown in how orchestrated it was. Now, you might have lower level or let's just say the um, ignorant masses of white people that may hate blacks and they think it's really about the color of your skin. But you got higher people on higher levels that understand this is why we're promoting it so this can happen. Then you got some black people that just want to get along, move on past whatever happened to them, you know, accept Christ and accept all men as brethren. And then you got some other people that know the whole agenda behind fanning the flames. Don't let these white people run you, man. We got to stick together. So the devil doesn't pick sides. He gets anybody whose eyes are not focused on Christ to join together. Now, Martin Luther King, you know, I know I'm going to get some pushback for this. Martin Luther King was a church man, but the question would have to remain, because I've never heard Jesus mentioned in any of, his, um, any of his speeches. I heard him say God, but I never heard him say Jesus. 
Now, I'm not saying that he didn't try and do good things, but I also know by certain societies he was involved with, like the Boule, you guys need to look that up, he was controlled. And when he began, his humanity kicked in, and he, he um, began to break away from that and recognize what was wrong, then he got a bullet in his neck, okay? Because he began to see he was being used. But how the whole thing started, it was all Satan trying to play one people against another people. And this is why today that they'll say that a homosexual and a black man, his rights are absolutely the same. The same as someone being sodomized, okay, is equivalent to a people having civil rights. So the devil doesn't choose sides. In the same way here, he's using a woman against a man. He'll find a man, he'll make men, or he'll get men to abuse women. The women will be broken, and then he'll go to the woman. You need to be freed of all of this, right. you know, because, I mean, don't let a man do you like that. Look at what the last one did to you. So that Jezebel spirit will puff up something in you to make you resist God and hate men. And be on board with this when this is all about Satan and killing the innocent, not about man or woman or, you know, whatever. It's also the agenda of where they're trying to put the bathrooms together. Because if you've got a man that feels like he's a woman that day and he goes into a woman's restroom and rapes her and now she gets pregnant from it. I'll say, like you just said, all Satan's got to do is say, well, do you really want your child being raised in the fact that the guy that raped you claim to be a woman that day why should you live that way exactly Isaiah chapter 1 we'll get back to some of this other stuff but you got to understand that abortion is nothing new the devil plays games with people that's why as a Christian we have to be focused on Christ and we have to be odorless colorless and tasteless like water bringing life you know we can't live without water but we can't live without Christ a Christian should have the life of Christ inside of him, and that is all that matters. If you're a believer, you are one blood under Christ. It is not your race or your gender. But I'm saying this because I know a lot of people are going out there in their ignorance and trying to support, talking about hating Donald Trump. What do you hate him for? He's just a puppet on a string doing what his masters are telling him to do. Obama is another puppet. Hillary is a puppet. Mm -hmm. You got people beating each other half to death because somebody voted for somebody. Mm -hmm. You're way off course. All right, Isaiah 1 and 1, and it says, uh, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. You got it? Yeah. Okay. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which um, he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, and Jotham, Ahaz, uh, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now this is a wicked society, but look at what plays out. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner and uh, as his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Uh, our sinful nation... A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evil doers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the God, I mean their God. Well, it says that the Lord, sorry. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. That means they're off course. 
Why should we be? Why should you be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more, and the whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. The Lord is saying, it makes no sense for me to chastise you guys like I've been doing. Your whole head is sick, meaning you don't understand. Your heart is faint, meaning it's become cold. It's waxing cold. You know, this is how a conscience gets seared. You do enough, even concerning abortion. Now, I've heard the first time that a woman, and, and you know, the act was committed twice for me in my life. The very first time, you know, I do remember I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we were headed to one of the clinics. And outside, there was, um, you know, a few Catholic women. That's one thing I give the Catholics credit for. They speak against abortion when you ain't got a lot of churches doing this. But I remember we were walking, and there was a woman out there with rosary beads with one of her girl, you know, with another person from the church. And as my girlfriend was walking towards the doors, I remember walking behind her feeling like, man, something ain't right. But when the woman turned around and said, excuse me, miss, like trying to beat her to the door, saying, don't do it. I remember feeling like this wind come over me, like, don't do it. It was just so weird. Like something was like really trying to stop me. Like, you don't want to do this. Don't do this. But there was a part of me like, I'm too young, she's for it too, we're already here, we already scheduled an appointment, and we went ahead and did it. So she ignored the lady, you know, like whatever, you know, and we went in and did it. And I remember feeling like torn, kind of like weird towards it, like I didn't look at it yet as me murdering my child, but I, something told me in my spirit that it was wrong. And then I remember the second time around it was almost like I was just picking my teeth, you know, kind of like, you know, a situation like this comes upon you. Hey, man, thank God for abortion because we don't have to deal with it, you know. And I mean, when you think about this stuff and you think about what you've done and you think about God and his goodness, how he was able to instead of condemning me and and destroying me right there on the spot, which is what I would have deserved. He gave me mercy. He gave me 10 years outside of that, you know, to, um, <sighs> he gave me 10 years outside of that to know him and then um instead of judging me you know he broke me and the way he broke me wasn't to condemn me for what i did it was like he um he showed me love <laughs> and um give me some tissue but he showed me love um redemption I'm good I'm good he um you know it was just his love behind what I did to fix the situation which made me love him all the more you know instead of saying I made a mistake God you condemn me you know what kind of God would do that this God wiped this clean from me and restored me thanks he restored me you know and that's why I'm just trying to tell everyone out there that 
you don't have to live your life in shame over what you did. You know, God can bring you That's right. to a point in your life where right. you're wiped clean of it mm -hmm. and you hate what you've done so much that you'd never do it again. Right. And that's really what the whole story is about in knowing Christ and all he can do. So, you know, what kind of God, instead of breaking you, you know, um, like any body of the world would have done when you do wrong, this God saved me, you know, from a place in my life where I was bound for hell. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So he says it makes no point to chastise him. So this is his grace on them because their hearts are faint. Verse 6, from the sole of thy foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, um, yeah, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Now I think that this was something that happened to me, and this is why people end up having a sense of hardness. You know, when a person is, is full of sores or they're full of pain, eventually calluses develop over that pain mm -hmm. if it isn't the ointment, which is the Holy Ghost, to clean those wounds and to clean that vessel. Right. Mm -hmm. So it says, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Uh, your land, strangers devour it, devour it and um, um, it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So what we understand here is, I mean, if you look at this country, the way it's judged, I mean, you got people from other countries coming here and getting rich. You see the society falling apart for Americans, but in other countries, everybody's coming over here. You know, you got parts, like I've told everybody, America's already been sold. You got the Russians. I believe they have the West Coast. The Chinese have the East Coast and um, like the middle part where Denver and all those other areas are, Great Britain runs. And then there's other small areas that Germany and France and others control. So in the midst of all this sin and all this sickness, you are seeing your country devoured by strangers and being divided amongst you. Now, I don't, you know, I'm not a part of any country. I'm just telling you what's destroying this one. So it says, um, and the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage and a vineyard um, as a lodge and a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city, except the Lord of hosts have left unto us a very small remnant. Now he said a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been as, of, as Gomorrah. So we pretty much are like Sodom and Gomorrah today. Homosexuality is everywhere. And you see along with that, look what else is with it. Verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings and rams and, um, fat, um, and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or in the lambs or the he-goats. So we know that this is the Lord sick of our religious works. He wants a body. He wants obedience. Mm -hmm. This is what's wrong with the church. Verse 12. When ye come to appear before me, uh, who hath required this at your hand, and uh, tread my courts, bring no more vain oblations. Incense um, is an abomination unto me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling assemblies, 
I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. So he's saying, what point is it to go to church every Sunday to hear the word of God, to be full of the world? All right, abortion is just as, as dominant in the church as it is in the world. It's pretty much the same story. So he's saying, with all this stuff you guys are offering me, you know, it's like, man, this is all sick. It means nothing. You, um, let's see. 14. 14. Your new moons, um, your appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. Uh, and when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So this is telling us that this full of blood may be murder, but I also believe that it's abortion because Isaiah and Jeremiah's time are probably about maybe 60 years, maybe 100 years at best between them. Jeremiah actually explains that when your hands are full of blood, when a nation's hands are full of blood, God will hide his eyes from them and his, he doesn't even want to look at you because there is an, untaped, an, an unpaid debt of innocent blood spilled. Don't think that God won't visit it. Let's go to Jeremiah uh, 2. Because the blood crieth out to him, like when Abel was killed by Cain, his blood crieth. Matter of fact, sorry guys. Let's go back. I'm listening. Right, when Cain killed Abel, yeah, his, his brother's blood, blood was... Um, was what, yeah, in the, I mean, in Hebrews, it talked about his innocent blood cried from the land. Mm -hmm. So God, he, he hears the prayers of the innocent. Mm -hmm. uh, and Henry Groover is an amazing guy. He said he's been to places where abortion clinics he's gone by, and he hears the cries of those children. See, when you're really into the Lord, he will share things with you where you are so sensitive to the Spirit, like Carlin is experiencing now, right. you will hear things that other people can't hear. But it will be loud to you. Mm -hmm. And you could swear other people are hearing what you're hearing, but you but they can't. Right. Alright, so he says in verse 16, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings uh, from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Um, relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. So he's saying for those people in need, take care of them. But he's saying, okay, right now your hands are full of blood. And many people that have committed abortions, your hands are full of blood. But this is the Lord's, um, this is his desire, okay? Look at verse 16. Wash you, make you clean, put away of the evil of your doings. Before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well. That's all he's saying. Mm -hmm. You know, do right. So it doesn't matter what you've done. The Lord has given you a chance to get it right. So he says, plead for the widow. Look at verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be, like a, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now you know if God said it, that that's a sure thing. So he's saying, man, if you do well, 
and you'll eat the abundance of the land. Why we have a bad economy, why this thing is all getting ready to crash, is because abortion and homosexuality are in the midst. These are two of the surest things that God will avenge. He will avenge all unrighteousness, but when you see innocent blood spilt in the land, and you see homosexuality coming out bold, and laws are passed that this is correct, these are two of the surest signs that God is about to judge a nation. Now we can go to Jeremiah 2. Sorry. start at verse 5, Jeremiah 2 and verse 5, and it says, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts, and of pits, through a land of drought, and of the shadow of death? through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. So the Lord had taken him through the impossible. Verse 7, And I brought you into a plentiful country, like America once was, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. And when ye entered, ye defiled my land and mine heritage and abomination. This is why at one point being a Christian was everything. If you took a girl out on a date and you tried to have sex before marriage, for one, she may just knee you, you know, where it hurts, but then she'd go and tell her family, they tell your family, and the whole neighborhood would have had you tied up, you know, deciding what to do with you. Why? Because the principles of God were strong in those days. But once this independence began, a woman's right to choose, women independent of men, well, my mother used to wash drawers, my grandmother washed my grandfather's drawers, well, I get to be an independent woman now. And it's all about me, and I can be a doctor, I can be anything. I'm not speaking against growth, but the devil, as I said before, is an excellent ballroom dancer. Okay, he'll dance you far left or far right. Very rarely will he keep you in the middle of the road. Now, a woman's um, right to work, that's an awesome thing. Sure, fine, whatever. But the devil knew if I can puff up a little pride with that, because now she's got a degree and now she's making more money than her man, she'll lose respect for him and do what she wants. This was all well orchestrated. That's why in the beginning, the woman wasn't even supposed to work, not because she wasn't capable, but it was because God put that authority and responsibility on the man. Do you know what I'm hearing now is that um, now when one parent was at least home, children's IQ and their grades were way up here. Now that the economy is so bad and everybody's independent and loving themselves, now that both parents are working, they said that children's grades are dipped down big time. You know, teenage pregnancy, all this stuff where someone was at least, you know, taking care of the child. Now that they're out busy, you know, trying to make a better life. And I'm not saying that parents don't have to. I get it. But the point I'm making is that there is an enemy that knew if I can get you off your children and have the education system raise them, man, I'm home free because I control that too. Right. So, you know, this is something that the enemy has done. You might want to add anything? Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at 
because all women, just about all women, I won't say all women, but a good majority of women today look at the biblical woman as degrading. But I'm like, if you look at Proverbs 31, that mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. perfect example of mm-hmm. what a woman should be. And it never once degraded her, not once. It actually showed her strengths right. in being a godly woman. Right. Like, you don't need validation from other women. If you've got Jesus Christ as your head, that's your validation. That's right. Proverbs 2, that a righteous woman is um, worth more than rubies. More than fine rubies, a virtuous woman, yeah. Exactly. So when you look at this, you know, you understand that one was meant to, for the tree of life, and there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil popping up again. Yep. Not that it didn't have some good on it, but okay, now women can work. My question is, so what? Mm-hmm. Now that a woman can make as much money as a man, now that she can run as fast as a man, she's now, you know, working out, and she's as strong as a man, so what? Mm-hmm. Are times better or are they worse? worse? Did it change one thing really in society? Let's be realistic about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that a woman working doesn't help with her self-esteem. But if we're all um, conformed to the image of Christ, what difference does it make? But this is the overall will in the world to be somebody void of what God wants. Look at what it does. You want to work? Fine. I mean, I'm not against work. But the question is, if it was an end-all, be-all to woman's liberty, then why are times still as bad as they are? What difference does it make? Now that men, now that black people can work, so what? What difference does it make if we're talking about being of the kingdom of Christ? I mean, and I'm trying to make a really valid point here because people are so worried about self that they're not seeking God. It's just like me. You know, I'm a black man. I lost a job over two months ago. So what? God gave me another. I didn't achieve anything. I'm just being provided for by the Lord to do the will of God. So it's not about man or woman. It's not about race or none of those things. But even though that women have achieved certain things and men, look, the world is still bad. So what did we really gain in this? Yeah, we made more money. (laughs) We can wear clothes now, you know, and do things and walk with a business suit and a, and a briefcase. But in the end, what are you solving? Yep. Is sin still a problem for man? Yep. Is evil getting worse and worse in this world? You basically went from one slavery to another slavery. Exactly. But this slavery you would enjoy. Yep. And that was what the devil was banking exactly. on. See, women are still controlled by Satan. They're still mm-hmm. controlled. Mm-hmm. They're still under rules. But the devil made them think that they were free and liberated. Because he knew that if you took away the headship of a male that God desired, mm-hmm. oh man, there's nobody protecting the flock. If you want it, there is a Bible verse, I meant to put it in, but it talked about getting rid of the shepherd and then the sheep would scatter. That they knew, that's why they attack every man in the home. You watch TV, the man is always the buffoon. Mm-hmm. He's always the, the moron and the mother is the brainiac and the kids love her. You know, fathers are, are considered boobs on TV because no one likes that that character. Satan's kingdom, I mean, God's kingdom, man is, you know, man, woman, children. Yeah. You know, God, Christ is their head. In Satan's kingdom, you got the women on top, you got the men under, under the children pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you read Isaiah 3 in your spare time, Isaiah 3 and 12, it says children are their oppressors and women rule over them. He said, oh, my people, they which lead ye, lead you to error. 
They cause you to error when you got a woman running society. Yeah. It's not God's plan. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that women can't do anything. I'm not speaking chauvinist here. But I'm trying to tell everybody in this world, if you don't have Christ, the devil has made a fool of you because he made you believe that you were something um, outside of God. Right. You keep your eyes focused on Christ, and Christ will take care of everything. All right, so um, verse uh, 8, and it says, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things which do not profit. So we got to understand that even the pastors, people of the pulpit, people that were carrying God's, you know, um, God's truth, they can't even be trusted now. They're corrupted. You got the prophets that are supposedly hearing from the Lord. They're hearing from Satan direct telling you certain things that are not true. And this is why Margaret Sanger went to those black pastors. And said, We're going to have this information up because nobody's going to call me a liar. But she went to those pastors and said, hey, I'll give you guys such and such money. I need you to help me promote abortion. Okay, and, and because they were greedy and not men of God, they took the, they took the bait. They, they got help from her. You know, she helped fund the black churches, but she put poison in the church. So what difference did it make? Man, I tell you, the devil is good at what he does. Let's go to verse 30. Verse 30, it says, In vain I have smitten your children. They receive no correction. Your own sword hath devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. It's just like me right now. I'm talking what I'm talking, speaking for truth, and people will want to hang me because I'm talking it. Verse 31, O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, we are lords, we will come no more unto thee. So no one wants to hear from God. Man wants to do his own thing right now. Look at verse 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments? or a bride her attire. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Why trimmest thou way, thou thy way to seek love? Therefore hast thou also taught the wicked one thy ways. Also in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocent. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these. You know, so the Lord is saying here, that this is where all this is coming from. In a wicked society, the two things that we'll show is homosexuality and abortion. And then we wonder why we're not hearing from God. Then we're wondering why the power of the Holy Ghost won't fall on a building and we do the miracles of God. Because we are in support of things that we don't need to be and the Lord will never help us in our sin. He's going to try and free us from it. That's his desire. So, you know, abortion, as we can already see, is nothing new. Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy 12. I know I'm going to get some pushback over this. That's okay. You know, because I'm not looking down on anybody. I committed the act. I know how awful it is. In my ex, you know, we talk from time to time. 
she um, she's got two beautiful you know daughters and she regrets it also so you know it's just one of those things when you're young and you think that you're strong and time is on your side you can do what you want but that's why Solomon says what you do in your youth that knowledge that fun you had you'll be pulling it out of you because it'll it'll even be judged even when you're young and having fun you're still gonna be judged so let the Lord work with you young I remember the Lord trying to work with me young. I remember I used to pick up this Bible and just start writing things down. But the world got the better of me, and I ran and did what I wanted to do. But the Lord will always make an attempt to go after you young, because he knows that as the older you get and the more corruption sets into this world, it's going to be tough to free you from that stuff. Not, not too tough for God, but what I'm saying is if you get used to a thing, then what do you, you know how hard it is to break old habits? That's why they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But in God, all things are possible. Right. Exactly. All right. Deuteronomy 12, verse 28. Everybody there? Deuteronomy uh, 12 and 28. And it says, Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that I may go well with, that it may go well with thee, and with my children after thee forever. When thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God, when the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them uh, and dwelleth in their land, uh, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. After that, uh, they be destroyed from before thee, and that their and that thou inquire not after thy God, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. And this is another thing that people get. This is straight off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You ever heard people that say when you try and present the gospel, they're not atheists, but they'll tell you, I, I study all religions, and I accept them all for what they have. They all have something to contribute. This is what the Lord is saying not to do. Okay, because you end up learning things and serving other gods. You don't need to know how they worship other gods unless you are born again and trying to free people from these things. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says 31, Thou shalt not do unto the Lord thy God, even every abomination to the Lord which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. Uh, for even their sons and their daughters, ha uh, they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What things soever I command you, observe and do it. Thou shalt not add uh, thereto, nor diminish from it. So if God gives a commandment, that's the way it is. If you call yourself a Christian and you're in a church and you're a woman and you call yourself standing for women's rights and you believe that abortion is okay and it's a woman's right to, to choose, you are adding and you're not and diminishing what the Lord has already set up. What he put down is what it is. If he says observe it, you observe it. But if you don't believe that and you believe that there are some things the Bible don't understand, then don't call yourself a Christian because a Christian follows what the Word of God says. That's right. It's that simple. You don't get to choose what you want to agree with. Exactly. Well, and you're standing for an abomination, not standing, like you just said, you're not standing for God. You're standing for what Satan wants to go for. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Look at these statistics. Sacrificing what you want, not what God wants. Right. Look at these statistics. 
In 2011, 1.6 million abortions took place in the U.S., down from 121 million abortions in 2008. So they're saying it's going down, which is a lie. 100 and, um, 1.2 million in 2005, 1.29 million in 2002, um, 100 and, well, 1.31 uh, million in uh, 2000 and 1.36 million in uh, 1996. From 1973 through 2011, nearly 53 million legal abortions occurred in the U.S. In 2013, approximately 16% of all uh, U.S. pregnancies, excluding miscarriages, ended in abortion. This is down from 17.4 uh, in 2012 and 18% in 2011. Uh, and this one says in uh, 2011, the highest number of reported abortions occurred in California, New York, Florida, uh, Wyoming, South Dakota, and North Dakota. You notice it's like a place of extremes where the two highest places are. They're either occurring in the big city or with the people that feel like they've got nothing to do, mm -hmm. you know, or like maybe in a really poor, some poor cities or poor states. Mm -hmm. But, you know, New York is one of those places, and Cali, I've got, and Atlanta, you know, where, where you're from. Atlanta is a growing city, man. It's not like it was 20 years ago, but... These are these places where people feel I've got to be the best I can be. Nothing can hold me back. New York is that place where they said 95% of the people in that city cannot afford to live there. Okay, so most people in New York City are struggling to survive. All right, so why have another mouth to feed if you can avoid it? You know, it says, who has abortions? In 2013, unmarried women accounted for 85% of all abortions. Women in their 20s accounted for the majority of abortions in 2013 and had the highest abortion rates. Adolescents under 15 years obtained 0.3 of all uh, 2000, I mean, um, 2013 abortions. Women aged uh, 15 to 19 years accounted for 11.4% um, of abortions. Now look at this. I mean, from 15 to 19, this is already occurring. You got girls that'll be like 18 years old, 15 years old, already got like 40 partners, you know, in their lives. So this is a degradation that's going on that only the Lord can restore. It says percentage in um, 2013 reported abortions uh, by age of mother. 15 years, 0.3, 15 to 19, it just jumps 11.4%. And it's just when you get to high school and you're about to go to college and do other things. 20 to 24 years old, 32.7 abortions. 25 to 29, because these are the career women. 25%, they're the highest thing on this list. You know, no one's going to stop my career. I'm not ready for a child. Uh, 30 to 34, 16%. Uh, uh, 35 to 39, 9%, and then there's like 40 years or whatever, 3.6%, because, you know, the chances are real slim uh, there. Uh, why do abortions occur? On average, women give at least three reasons uh, for choosing abortions. Um, say, say that having a baby, excuse me, would interfere with their work, school, or other responsibilities. Say uh, three-fourths. Uh, say they cannot afford a child and have say 
they do not want to be a single parent or are having problems with their husband or partner. Only 12% of women including a physical problem uh, with their health among reasons for having an abortion. 1% of abortion women reported that they were uh, the survivors of rape. So what do we got? 99% are, are these people that, because, you know, the lesbian society, gay and lesbian group, they love to bring this point up that, well, what if your mother were raped? You know, so this is why they're in support of abortion. You know, what have they got to lose? They don't plan on having kids. So, of course, they're down with this. But they're saying only 1% of them reported actually occurred. Now, they say that most women don't like to admit they're raped. But women pregnant would still deal with the situation. But 1%. Now, let's just say women did report it. That may be 5%. That's still not a good enough. I mean, well, rape, that's a weird thing. You know, that I would, I'm never in favor of abortion. But I would, I would suggest adoption, you know, or something you know, or someone take care of the child, because that was forced upon you, okay, so, but they're sitting here saying that 95% of abortions, let's just, let's just be kind and give them four more percent, 95% of them occur from selfish people, mm -hmm. that's really what occurs, I want to enjoy myself, I want my career, I want to enjoy my life, so, you know, you can't use the excuse if your mother were raped, if it did happen, I'm sorry. And I'm not speaking, I'm not being insensitive to women that were raped. That's an awful thing to take someone's humanity like that. I'm just saying that the reason why people do this or they mention this is to try and get the rape victims on board with them too. You see, because women, are, now rape of women does occur, it's, it's, it's growing. You know, I think they said every minute or something in this country, a woman is raped or something like that every five minutes or something like that. So I'm not, um, I'm sympathizing with those women, but what I'm saying is the devil can take a few more victims and add them to a cause that is so ungodly right. in support of murder. Anyone add anything they can? I do. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like, I mean, the devil has conditioned society to be like that, like that sex is just natural. It's okay. It, mm -hmm. it can be done with, um, you know, on the first date. And mm -hmm. so this willingness to just give it up so easily has conditioned even to kind of sear the minds of people who are raping, mm -hmm. you know, that these women, it's not a big deal. So this is something that society has been building up throughout the time. And there's no personal accountability for women right. um, to say no and to not engage in those activities. Man, because if I can get a hold of Alice Bailey's 10-step plan, I know I put it somewhere, but I would encourage anyone listening, look up the 10 strategies of Alice Bailey um, uh, to attack Christianity. But one of them on there was to make sex easy and free so that children would not have to deal with their issues concerning sex. Make abortion easy. Make divorce easy. Take parents away from the guidance of their, um, their children, from guiding their children. This 10-step plan is was the degradation of this country as far as uh, generations are concerned. All right, look at it. Uh, who is doing the abortions? The number of abortion providers declined by 4% between 2008 and 2011 um, from 1,793 to 1,720. 
42% of providers offer very clear abortions, I mean very early abortions during the first four weeks of gestation and 95% offer abortion at eight weeks. 64% uh, of providers offer at least uh, some second trimester abortion services. Um, I wanted to actually get to something else when they um, went into the people that are, um, okay, here it is, abortion and minors. 40% of minors um, having an abortion report that neither of their parents knew about the abortion. Um, this isn't the one I'm looking for, but they talked about percentage. But um, I know that for, um, I think, other races or whatever, I think the highest two are black and Hispanic. I believe it's like 14% for whites. I believe it's like close to 40% for black women in this country. Now, black people are only 13% um, of the population of this earth, but yet they have almost three times the amount of any other group, including Hispanics. So, I mean, they, they're saying that, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, people are really um, buying into this thing. But in all those categories, it's growing. I don't care what the race is, it's growing higher and higher. So, I mean, you know, it's becoming a real problem in society with people being destroyed with it. You know, and it's just, you know, murder is murder. It doesn't matter who's doing it or who they consider themselves to be. It's It's murder. Uh, let's see. I want to go one more place. Let's go to um, 2 Kings chapter 17. We'll start at verse 13. But if the devil can get you to love yourself, you know, at the expense of God, he'll do it. And I mean, that's all it takes to fall off track. Uh, known like some people who have done abortion too, like women, mm -hmm. and um, every single one of them have said that it's it was like a painful experience for them emotionally. The first and time. Yeah, and yeah, afterwards, like, mm -hmm. and so if that's happening, that's occurring so many times. That's all right. You know, that's we fine. just ignore um, that there's something bigger it's going on. Be in my room. There. You're right. No, yeah. totally. Because it, it also, what do you think will happen to you if you have committed abortions, like maybe more than once, maybe not the first time because you have remorse, but let's just say you've done it once or twice or maybe three times, you know, at that point, what you have is a spirit of murder. That's why you can become so cold like I was and just do it like it's nothing, you know, like, all right, so uh, the date is Friday, right? You're going to have that taken care of because we can't afford it. You become like a machine. And, you know, for anyone that's done this, if you feel bad, I'm not, you know, going to say that you shouldn't feel bad. We should. But we do have an answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Just lay it on the cross, go to him, confess it, and he'll make you right. All right, I'm at um, 2 Kings 17, and we'll start at verse 13, and it says... Yet the Lord testified, everybody there? All right. 2 Kings 17 and 13, and it says, 
Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your, uh, your fathers uh, and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear but harden their necks like to a neck like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God, and they rejected his statutes and his covenant uh, that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them, and they followed vanity. You see what's doing it? Vanity. You see what's turning you from God? Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, mm -hmm. loving yourself. Uh, and became vain, and went after the heathen that were round about uh, round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal, or Baal. Verse 17, And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and use divination and enchantments and sold themselves uh, to do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his uh, sight. Uh, there was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. You know, so this is the Lord, you know, he's pretty much letting them know he's angry with this. So, I mean, I don't even think they did it as often as 3,000 babies a day, which you see today going on. I mean, God has got to be, when the Bible says God is angry with sin all day long, you get a glimpse of it when you think of just 3,000 babies in this country alone, aborted. And somebody's got to pay this debt. Gary Price brought up a good point concerning abortion. He said that they've come up with that um, euthanasia thing where they're killing old people. He thinks that that's a judgment. I, I think it's a part of depopulation, but he thinks that's even a judgment to those people who were in the 60s and 70s committing these abortions. Okay, you got no mercy on the young innocent, we got no mercy on your old life. Let's just pull the plug on you. Mm -hmm. So there's a debt even being paid to those people that have committed these acts. Right. I'll tell you, man, the last thing you want to do is mess around with God. Matthew 18, verse 1. And I just, like, imagine God up there and just hearing all the cries and prayers of the innocent that are being shed, bloodshed. Every day, it's just heartbreaking. But look at the love he has yes. that he can hear that mm -hmm. and still want you to come to him. Yep. What an awesome God. So, you know, when God does throw some behinds into hell, you know, and decides to destroy this all, he's not going to be at fault. Mm -hmm. Do you realize for how many centuries, how many millennia he's put up with this, yeah. you know, and, and still trying to give man a chance? So when he's finally done with this bubble that we call time and space, and we go into eternity, all those that didn't make it, the Lord's not going to feel one bit about it. I mean, he's going to blank his mind from it. He'll still love you, but you can't come into the kingdom. 
But he gives everyone a fair chance. Like, come on. You know, just make it right. I'm pleading with you. But, you know, we got to recognize his love and his mercy. Well, he, we got to know he's him. He's envisioning his plan for you, you know, what he has in store for you mm -hmm. if you come to him. That's all we got to do. So, I mean, anybody that's out there done it, this isn't condemning you. This is telling you the truth so that you may know Christ and make it right. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew 18 and verse 1, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest of the kingdom in heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, of course, this is talking about humility. This is talking about, you know, um, like a child would do. A child would listen to anything their parents told them. Okay, so he wants that type of obedience. Verse 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble themselves as a little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in thy name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So this is the Lord telling him. Now, of course, he's speaking of children being deterred from the faith by an unbeliever or someone who wants to do this type of evil. But what do you think if, if, if the Lord told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee, that the Lord said all the hairs of our head are numbered, then that means he even knew those little ones and had a purpose for them. But we killed them. So what do you think the Lord is going to do concerning this? God is serious about what he says. You know, he's going to make a move. And I want to prove... Let's go to... Um, I want to go to Matthew 2, and then I'm going to go to 2 Kings 9. Let's go to Matthew 2 first. You know, because the Romans learned from the Babylonians, you know, who learned from the, I mean, you know, they learned from the Greeks, who learned from the, the Egyptians, who learned from the Babylonians. So this whole thing is playing out again. Matthew 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For he hath for he have seen for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him when herod the king had heard these things he was troubled and all jerusalem with him so you see how the devil always uses those that are in power this is truly satan's kingdom he used the egyptians to go after them to to, to stop moses and to destroy the children of israel now he's using the roman empire who herod is king to go after, oh, there's a Messiah born? Let's see about this. All right, so it says, um, verse 4, right? Yeah, verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes uh, of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, but thus it was written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So that was a prophecy. Uh, then Herod, when he had privily uh, called the wise men, inquired of them 
diligently what time the star appeared. Now, you think this is Herod that wanted to know this? Or you think this was the devil trying to find out in our earthly manner? Yep. You know, so this is how the devil uses people. All right, so when it appeared, and when he, and when he sent them uh, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when he had found him, bring him word again, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. Now, you know that was a plan. That was a plot. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east uh, went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they were rejoiced. I mean, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come uh, into the house, I don't want to skip this, they gave Jesus um, the gifts that they gave in verse 11, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know that gold was a gift that was fit for a king. That's what it symbolized. Christ was king. That's what the gold is. You go to frankincense, it meant that he was, because you use frankincense as a type of incense, so it was like saying that he was a priest. So he was king and he was priest. That's what those two gifts represented. When you get to the myrrh, myrrh is what they used to embalm people at that time. So it was he was king, he was priest, it was his death, burial, and resurrection that it represented. Mm -hmm. Alright, verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So they didn't want to help Herod out. And when they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek um, the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, uh, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying out of Egypt have I called my son then Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men like they never came back mm -hmm. so Herod said alright they tried to fool me so when he saw that he was mocked uh, by the wise men uh, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and, and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So remember, he sent them. They didn't come back in two years. So he said, if this child is born, this child has got to be at least two years old. So to be on the safe side, kill every single child that's there. Mm -hmm. So this is why when you read in Revelation 12, it says that a man-child would be born. And they said, the sir, remember the dragon was ready to devour the Christ child as soon as it was born. Because the devil knew, if I can stop him. See, the devil knew Christ was coming, but the devil didn't know Jesus was Jesus until he was baptized. Right. When Jesus, he went under radar all that long. Because one, he didn't have the Holy Ghost. He didn't perform miracles. He might have taught in the synagogue, but he wouldn't have been any really that different from any other Jew. But what separated him was the power. Because as soon as he was baptized, they said the Holy Ghost fell on him without measure. He, so he had power. So, of course, that's going to show up on Satan's radar. You know, I'm sure he was warned like, boss, look, 
You know, he looked and he's... Big old light. Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> now we've got a problem. And you know that this is true because his first encounter with the devil was he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And there was Satan to try and tempt him to stop him. And that's the same light that will show. It may not pour on us without measure, but we forsake the world and we get into Christ, you're going to show up on Satan's radar too. And he's going to have plans for you. So that's the identifying mark wasn't Jesus' knowledge. The knowledge was of God, but it was the power that separated him from everything. Because like Gary Price said, and I agree, the only thing that the devil understands is brute force power. Yep. You can say love all day long, but if you can't back that up with any power, he doesn't even consider you anything serious. But when you start casting out devils and laying hands on the sick, man, you're bringing trouble into his kingdom. I've got to deal with you now. All right? What were you going to say? Yeah, it's like when you're on an aircraft carrier or something like that, and enemy ships come in, and all of a sudden you hear that bling, bling, oh, yeah. bling, and they're like, scramble the jets, the enemy's coming. Exactly. <laughs> Second Kings 9. Now, um, you know, this is something where, you know, like I said, the power separates. This is something that I lost my thought. It'll come back to me. But, oh, this is it. The devil wants to, with these abortions, he wants to wipe out, wipe out every potential prophet that may come along. Yep. Everyone that may be like Christ. And they have the fear the Egyptians had. The people be too many. Mm -hmm. They may be mighty, too hard to control. The devil never changes his tactics. So while he's deceiving these women about a woman's right to choose, you know, he's pretty much trying to get them on board to destroy the work of God. All right, 2 Kings 9. Now, this is the story of Jezebel. This is where Jezebel is about to be judged. Jezebel herself, you know, um, gained power. You know, she married an Israelite. She hated men. And we're going to read in verse 9 and verse, um, chapter 9 and verse 22, that she is a witch and a whore. Notice at those abortion clinics, there were witches there. Mm -hmm. Okay, now notice when women don't want to have kids, I'm not trying to be funny, they usually end up promiscuous. You get, a, you get an IUD not to have kids and start a family. You get one so that you can take the, the lowest risk of pregnancy and enjoy all the pleasures of sex. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're not tied to anybody. All right, 2 Kings 9. Verse 22, Jezebel killed uh, God Naboth. Uh, read that in, uh, what is it, Second Kings, First uh, Kings uh, 21, I believe. 21 or 22, but she killed this God Naboth for his vineyard. She sent two sons of Belial against them to kill him, lied on him, and said that he blasphemed God. All right, so this is the judgment. Elijah told her that her body would be, well, he told Ahab, her body will be devoured by dogs, all right, in the city that day. So this is the prophecy coming to pass. So this is 2 Kings 9 and verse 22, and it says, And it came to pass when Joram saw Jehu, uh, that he said, It is peace. I mean, is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace? So long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. And Joram turned his hands and fled and said to um, Ahaziah, There is treachery, O Ahaziah. And Jehu drew a bow 
Now, the funny thing about the name Jehu is it means Jehovah is he. So this is who the Lord sent to destroy Jezebel. You know, God Almighty. But, but this isn't Christ, but I'm just saying what the name stands for. And Jehu drew a bow in his full strength and smote uh, Jehoram between his arms, and the arrow went out uh, at his heart, and he sunk down in the chariot. Then said Jehu to Bedkar, his captain, Take up and cast him in his portion of the field of Naboth of the Jezreelite. For remember how that uh, when I was thou rode together, when I was and thou rode together, after Ahab his father of uh, the Lord laid this burden upon him. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons. Now one thing we got to recognize about Naboth too, Naboth was innocent. That was innocent blood being killed. He was called a liar, you know, and murdered for it. Saith the Lord, I will requite thee uh, in, the, in this plot, like this plot, saith the Lord. Now therefore take and cast him into the plot of ground uh, according to the word of the Lord. When, um, but when Ahaziah the king of Judah saw this, he fled by the way of the garden house, and Jehu followed after him and said, Smite him also in the chariot, and they did so uh, at the going up of Gur, which is um, by Abelam, or I guess that's it, Abelam, uh, and he fled to Megiddo and died there. Now notice, Jehu is going around slaying all the wicked, like Christ. It says his name means Jehovah is he. He followed them to Megiddo and slayed them. Another word for Megiddo, where you get the word Harmegiddo, which means Armageddon. This is like, you can say, the return of Christ, where he's destroying all that is wrong to do right. I mean, you know, to make right. 28, and his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his sepulcher with his fathers in the city of David. And in the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face uh, and tied her head and looked out at the window. So I guess she was trying to either seduce him or she was performing witchcraft or something. But it says, um, verse 31, And as Jehu entered into the gate, he, uh, she said, uh, Has Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side who? There looked out uh, to him two or three eunuchs, and he said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled uh, on the wall and on the horses, and he trod uh, her underfoot. So he trampled Jezebel, the people gave her up. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, go see now this uh, cursed woman and bury her. For she is the king's daughter. Now this is a key point. There were two or three eunuchs that threw Jezebel down. If Jezebel was a witch and a whore, think about it. The eunuchs were on the side of Jehu, who is Jehovah is he. You can't tempt a eunuch. A eunuch doesn't have sexual desires because he has no um he has no um reproductive organs. So a eunuch, you know, would be what Christ is looking for, a people without spot or blemish, not a physical eunuch but someone that is dead to the world that accepts Christ. Mm -hmm. 
they can't be tempted of whoredoms. You know, so they, they had no problem throwing her down. She means nothing to me. All right, so they trampled her. And then, uh, yeah, so he gave an order to um, bury her. Uh, what's 35. the Verse 35. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull, the feet, and the palms of her hands. Now, this is interesting because Elijah said that this would happen. But we also have to know, too, if you go to Revelation 2, it talks about that that woman Jezebel, who calleth herself a prophetess, who um, teaches and seduces her, you know, her people to not follow Christ pretty much. So you know they're not talking about physical Jezebel. She died years ago. The hands, the feet, and the head represents that this, this spirit of Jezebel is still thinking. She's still doing works, and she's still walking around. Okay, so the Jezebel spirit lives in a lot of women, and the Jezebel spirit is only meant to do one thing, and that's to destroy men. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to read up on a daughter of Jezebel. Sarah did a study about this almost two years ago. Um, uh, it was at the conference, the first conference we had on Athalia, who was the daughter of Jezebel, because Athalia had the same spirit as her mother. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to read on what she does. To try and gain power. This is why, you know, the real reason women in the military, women want men subservient to them. Yeah. You know, they want to conquer and dominate men. Let's go to 2 Kings 11. Now, this is how wicked this spirit is. This is why you got women of the world talking about that abortion is okay and it's a woman's right to choose. And most of these women are doing it for their own gain. So look at this. 2 Kings 11 and 1. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead. So her son was the king. Okay, so now that he's dead, she arose and destroyed all of the royal seed. But uh, Je Jehosheba, the daughter um, of King uh, Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons. Uh, which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, uh, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that um, she was not slain. Uh, and he was um, with her, hid in the house uh, of the Lord six years, and Athaliah did reign over the land. So Athaliah is the daughter of Jezebel. She has the Jezebel spirit. She killed her own grands, her own grandchildren, pretty much. I think that that's what it is. Because Ahaziah was her son. Mm -hmm. All right? So she... No, Ahaziah was the son of Ahab. No, no, right. Ahaziah was her son. Yeah. Her son died, and she killed her grandchildren for the sake of assuming power on the throne. You guys got to understand what spirit this is that's working. This is why you got the kingdom upside down. This is why all you can get is skinny jeans in a store. This is why it seems like women are gaining power and men are falling down. Because this whole system is to turn things around. You got women judges now that are running. There's a woman judge in Oregon that runs the show. Okay? This is why they, they thought about Hillary Clinton, but somehow I guess they reneged on that plot. They didn't really want to do it. But you best believe if a woman had assumed the office of president... I talked to my pastor friends and other people. They said 
man, now you know what Athalia did. That spirit may run rampant. Okay, so here's the thing is that this spirit is all for killing children. If we read about Lilith, if we read about how they tried to use the midwives, if you think about how they tried to kill Christ, this spirit is everywhere. And it's all to destroy God and his seed. Yep. That's the Jezebel spirit. That's what it means. That's what this whole thing is about. Let's go to Revelation 21 and we can conclude. I'm sorry it's kind of lengthy, but... You know, people need to understand what abortion is all about. This information I'm just going to put up because they're still doing this at the Bohemian Grove. Mm -hmm. You think Moloch is dead? Moloch is at the Bohemian Grove in Northern California among the redwood trees where they do this thing called the cremation of care. And I'm talking about the big presidents of this world. I'm going to have those slides put up. They meet and they get together, all the politicians, all the important bankers and, and scientists of the world. They all get together, they walk around naked, doing all types of homosexuality, homosexual activity, and they sacrifice children. Alex Jones said that he was there. He said when they took out this little black child that was there, like a little you know, girl, he said that those people that were around, they were howling like animals because they couldn't wait to see this happen. And why the devil kills kids too because witches will tell you young males in particular are the, the most strength that they can get from a sacrifice. To kill a young male under the age of five, five and under, that that gives the demonic powers power like you wouldn't believe. That they can do more. They get more from Satan. Or they'll take a young girl too. But I'm just saying what gives them their greatest sense of power is to, is to kill a young male. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's because God's against it, you know. Maybe because man was made the image of God. It could be a number of things. But this spirit is still alive. And you want to know when they do these things? On Christmas. On, on um, Halloween. Oh, during Beltane, May 1st, May Day. All these holidays while we're sitting around having a ball, these people are having orgies and sacrificing and killing children. This is why I want nothing to do with it. Because this is totally against God. This whole thing. Revelation 21. But look up the satanic ritual abuse calendar if you think I'm lying. This is what they do on these days. Richard Nixon was the only president to speak out about the Bohemian Grove and how he didn't like it. Richard Nixon was a different kind of dude. He spoke his mind. But he said, you guys can find this video on YouTube. He said, um, yeah, I had to go down to the Bohemian Grove this weekend. You know, and I went there. I go there from time to time. He said, man, can you believe it? Most faggy GD thing I've ever seen. He said, I made sure I didn't shake anybody's hand in there. He said, it was just terrible. You don't believe me? Look it up. Richard Nixon said that, that this is what goes on. So why do you think homosexuality and abortion are being promoted here? Because there's homosexuals in the White House. There's homosexuals in the court system. There's homosexuals in the education system. We didn't hire a black man for office. We hired a homosexual. That's what they were for. That's what this thing is really about. And look up Obama's history in homosexuality. All right, Revelation 21 and verse 7, and it says, 
He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and whoremongers, I mean, and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you see on this list, whoremongering is why a lot of people are, you know, committing abortions. They can't handle it. It's abominable before the eyes of God. They're fearful not believing God, so they want they don't think that God can raise their child. So, you know, and they're unbelieving because if you believe God, you wouldn't do this. You know, sorcery, of course they do these acts. That's what the whole pill is for. You know, remember, pharmacia. But people that engage in this, involved in witchcraft, idolaters, these people love themselves. So this is one reason why they like abortion. Because I want to keep my figure. You know, I don't want to get fed. And, you know, you don't think women do that because of this? Mm -hmm. I can introduce you to some that do. So I'm saying when all liars, and what do they say? A lot of these girls don't even tell their parents right. what they're doing. So, you know, I don't want to end it on a bad note. Jesus Christ is your redemption. But I'm telling all people that if you think that you're going to get through your problems on your own, this is the only fate for you. Exactly. And it is better to get it right with Christ than find this out later on. Exactly. So from here I want to conclude. I want to tell everybody that's ever committed the act and those that may have done something similar. The Lord loves you. All he wants is his people home. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's right. But this stuff will go up. But this is the main reason for abortion. It is a blood sacrifice to Satan. Get to know God, be made whole in Christ, and not have to deal with it. Yep. Be made over. So Sarah's going to pray out if no one has anything else to add. Uh, we can conclude. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight. And I want to thank you again for another day that you've given to us. Lord, you deserve all the praise, the glory, and the honor for everything that you've done for us. If we are here tonight, Lord, and with those listening in, Lord, it is a supernatural intervention because you took us off of a life of leading straight to hell, a life of destruction, and you placed us on the path of the straight and narrow. And Lord, I'm asking and praying tonight in the name of Jesus, for you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that anything that we've done in our life, Lord, that Satan is trying to use it against us. Lord, I'm praying that we lay it all at the foot of the cross. Lord, that it be covered under your blood, that we can be redeemed in the name of Jesus, that we not have any ties in this world. Because, Lord, let us repent. Let us seek your forgiveness. Lord, let us be broken upon you so you can fix us and heal us and use us for your purpose, Lord, to bring others to you. Yes, Lord, we may have gone out into this world and done some very wretched things, whether it's abortion, whether it was keeping life from coming forward in our ignorance. If you healed us, Lord, because you're the only one that can fill the void in our life. Let us use those experiences, Lord, to bring others to you. Let us not stay quiet. 
Let us not stay silent any longer. Anything, Lord, whether it was alcoholism, idolatry, whatever it was, false religion, whatever it was, Lord, that you healed us from, because you brought us out of it. It wasn't us, Lord. It was only by your grace and your mercy that we are still here today. If the enemy has not killed us, Lord, that's because you said no. That is my child. Let us stay your child, Lord. Let us be the children of light, not darkness. But let us not be deceived nor distracted by the enemy's devices, Lord. We are living in evil times. We are living in a generation, Lord, that now is not being taught your ways because the enemy was allowed in. Satan has been allowed into the churches. He has been allowed into families. And I'm praying, Lord, that you hear the prayers of the faithful few. But let us cry out to you, Lord, that we are willing to go forward and do everything that you've called us to do, no matter what the cost. No matter what we will lose, as the Apostle Paul says, I count it all as dumb. It's not our education. It's not money. It's not what we can gain in this life, Lord. It's what we will be in heaven. Lord, our working in this ministry is not done, is not complete, until we are with you in glory. But we have to be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We have to be transformed in the, into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is the only way we are going to make it in this life is if we are filled with you. To bring others to you, Lord. Let your light shine through us. Lord, I am praying. Guide us and direct us and lead us, Lord Jesus Christ. That we cast off this carnal nature. That we will live a life of prayer and fasting. To know that we can have the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That in the name of Jesus... We can heal the sick and raise the dead and open blind eyes and deaf ears, but only in the name of Jesus. That with the time that we have left, Lord, because we don't know how much time that we have, we will do what you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, again for all that you've done for us. Build us up every day, Lord, to bring lost souls to you. Help us to see and understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us, that we will take on the full armor of God, because that is our defense against the enemy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct and lead us into your truths and into all truths. Let all men of thought and conversation glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.